Hello and welcome to the Mind Your Leadership Podcast. I'm Karen Tsuk and today I will speak with Amy Lynn Doram. Amy is the CEO of Create Magic at Work and a UC Berkeley Certified Executive Coach. She spent years in the corporate world successfully managing hundreds of employees for private and public traded companies. Her company, Create Magic at Work, is intention is to offer spiritual intelligence and emotional intelligence tools to energize and transform the workplace. In this episode, we will speak about what does it mean to create magic and work and how we can cultivate teamwork and harmony in order to improve profit and employee morale and engagement and transform the workplace. So stay with us. Pleasure to have you here as a guest. Thank you for joining. I know you've written a book called Create Magic at Work and that your clients call you the corporate mystics. Yes. So <laughs> really interesting for me to hear why do they call you this way and what does it mean creating magic? I love the word magic, but I would be happy to see how it unfolds in your book. Yeah. Well, I wrote the book create magic at work. And the title sort of formed as I was writing the book, because I felt like I was bringing something that wasn't tangible that you could really see to the workplace. And I just think it's a really fun name. And the, the activities that are in the book are field tested activities that I've done with my employees in my past job. And they're, <laughs> the the corporate mystic started actually as a joke because I was the touchy-feely person at work that would bring these connecting activities to the groups. And they started calling me Mystic Mama. And so it just sort of stuck. And I was proud of the label because my whole point was to prove that collaboration works over competition, that connecting people in the workplace improves productivity and profitability. And I knew about a year before I left my job that I was going to leave my job. I had planned it. I didn't tell anyone. Um, I just, it was a life purpose thing that I felt like I needed to move myself into a different space that could be more creative. And that's when I started doing these field tested activities (laughs) and using my employees to sort of in a good way for my book that I would later write over the summer after I left my job. Amazing. So, Can you tell us yeah. what exercise did you do with your employees? Yeah, absolutely. I actually, when I was writing the book, I had them vote what their favorite was. I always like to share this because I almost didn't want to put this activity in the book and they all voted for this activity. And it was when we gathered around at the beach, we all worked Um, geographically apart. Mm -hmm. We came together for a quarterly business review to go over profit and loss statements and all of these things. And I just said, Hey, I want each person to bring their favorite quote or their favorite passage. And we're going to share it around this beach bonfire and why it's important to us. And they 
completely voted that that was their favorite activity. And I think it's because when they each shared something that was really deep or that really meant something to them, it opened up everyone seeing the humanity in each other. And it was really cool to see. So I couldn't figure out, I was, I, I was like, gosh, why was this voted number one? And I was on an airplane working on this stuff and I stumbled across Brene Brown's work about loneliness and isolation. This is a few years back. And I, I was like, oh my goodness, they were lonely and it brought them together and they were feeling isolated. And it just was something so simple that worked. And I have other activities that are a little bit deeper with like the EQ and the SQ, emotional intelligence and spiritual intelligence. But I like to share that one because it's so simple and anyone can do it, you know, and it works. It brings people together. It frees a leader up to do their job because mm -hmm. now that everyone on the team's connected, they'll call each other. If they need help, they'll collaborate. They'll reach out to, you know, John, because they heard he's going through a tough time and it just moves you forward in that way. That's so true. We is. Human beings want to be connected, right? We don't only want to do the functional work. And once we have this connection, this deeper connection as human beings, we can do everything, right? It's amazing. It is. A close work friendships boost um, productivity in the workplace by 50% and employee satisfaction. I talk about that a lot on LinkedIn, and I like to hear people's responses to that. And mm -hmm. it's interesting because some I've heard some say, you know, I don't need friends. I don't need, my boss is toxic. I just want to work from home. And that's okay if that works for you. But I do know from personal experience and the data does show that you will live a more fulfilled life if you do have close work friendships. I mean, imagine going through a stressful project or in, in my past work history, mass layoffs. Mm -hmm. You know, if you have close colleagues helping you through those tough times, it makes a world of difference. And these I connecting activities are what make you close, <laughs> making time to do them. So, yeah. That's right. I think what you're saying, it's important even beyond the workplace. I think mm -hmm. there's data and the research that show that as we are more connected and have more friends, we will live a longer life, right? Because it gives meaning to the life. So I think it's a crucial, crucial element. So it's interesting that you call it magic. So you mean the magic, creates by the connection between people. So it really connects to the, to the episode I have done before with Dr. Carol Robin, because we also talked, she wrote the book Connect and we talked about connection. So it's amazing the synchronicity that we continue now with your magic. Yeah, I actually heard that episode. It was great. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is so in line with the work that I'm doing as well. So I'm a spiritual intelligence coach. It's SQ21 certified coach for the workplace. It's 21 skills that are designed to help leaders that have already explored EQ, emotional intelligence. It's almost like the next step, if you will. If you've explored emotional intelligence and you feel like you're self-aware of your emotions, you can make connections, you can control your, you can have appreciation anchors and can kind of recognize your triggers in the workplace, then you can move to SQ. In SQ, it's that part of your life where you start wondering, why am I here? What is my life purpose? What am I doing at this job? What really are my values? If I'm a high level leader, can I make wise and compassionate decisions, even 
under great stress? Can I be a wise and effective change agent? The ultimate definition of spiritual intelligence, there's a few, but the one I like to share, there's a couple I like to share. One is you put your day-to-day concerns aside or you put your ego aside and you operate from a big picture space. Or Cindy Wigglesworth, who created the 21 skills, says it's the ability to make wise and compassionate decisions and maintain inner and outer peace regardless of the situation. And I I always smile when I say regardless of the situation, because it's like, that's tough. That's tough Mm -hmm. stuff. And so I, I bring all that up when you talk about that, because this is the inner work that leaders need to do to have that ripple effect in the world. You were talking about not just impacting the person at work, but how I always thought about that. How are they going to treat their family when they go home or friends or the person they see at the grocery store on the way home a lot better after doing this connecting activity. So I kind of have two parts to what I do. I have the SQ deep inner work with Mm -hmm. leaders. That's more one-on-one experience. And then that's why I like create magic at work so much because it's like the fun team tools that sort of elevate EQ and SQ that you get to do as a leader, because we need some healthy balance there for sure. Yes, that's for sure. And it sounds amazing. You know, I'm interested because when I finished my PhD and also I use the word spirituality and I created a conferences and lectured about spirituality and leadership and a colleague of mine tried to convince me that it doesn't resonate in the business world because leaders mm-hmm. and managers don't understand the connection between spirituality and the business, the ROI, the leadership aspect. So, you know, it took me a lot of uh, months to let go of this world. I actually, mm-hmm. I understand I connect to this world, but I think a lot of people don't connect it with the business world and it feels like fluffy. How do you overcome this resistance or you, you don't encounter a resistance in your day-to-day? It's interesting. Well, I think it's having conversations like this that really helps bring that into the space because I, I've completely experienced that too. It's a faith neutral system. You can be agnostic. You can be atheist as long as you believe that there's a place within you that comes from wisdom and compassion and love, you can work on these 21 skills of spiritual intelligence. So you don't have to follow a specific religion. You can think of someone that you admire, um, a leader that you admire, someone in your life that you admire, and maybe think of the qualities that they exhibit that you might want to aspire to. And then you don't have to work on the 21 skills of SQ, maybe you take the, I, there's an assessment. So maybe you take the assessment and one or two resonate with you. Okay. You know, you can work with those. I did some work with an executive coach who was just starting her business and she came back scoring really, really high on being a wise and effective change agent, a really high level. And she was just so surprised and it made her feel so good. And she went out and recognize some skills that she didn't realize that she had had before. So it's not religion. It's not woo woo. It's Mm -hmm. actually the work that we would love all of our leaders to do. Because if I have two leaders standing in front of me and one 
works on themselves with making wise and compassionate decisions, being a wise and effective change agent. They're aware that their worldview isn't the only worldview. Those are all some skills, right? And the other one over here is not willing to show vulnerability. Maybe we just work on Excel spreadsheets all day and report numbers in. Who am I going to want to work for at the end of the day? (laughs) Right. So think about it as a company. It actually improves your bottom line because you're going to have top talent in line for the first leader and then your productivity and your profitability is going to increase. But guess what? It requires humanity and connecting, <laughs> which is hard for some people to take that step, right? It's amazing now that we, I'm thinking about it as we speak, that it's so natural to connect and it's so difficult to connect, right? It's so we were, we got to be so instrumental and looking for the goals and the ROI that we forgot the basic as human beings. It's amazing. I, I was also handling this challenge with the spirituality. And, you know, at the end of the day, I defined it also as being mindful because being mindful is, for me, it's the ability to be connected to a personal experience that I'm going through. It can be an emotion, a thought, a process, and at the same time to the broader picture, to the open awareness. And the ability to move between these two realms enables us to choose freely our behavior, right? So we are not acting upon our emotions, our stress, and we are connecting to something beyond us, to the big picture, as you say, to the higher purpose, and we can act from this place. So this is what helped me to capture it and to bring it into the business world and maybe they can digest and understand and, and adopt. Yes. So a lot of the, the words for business leaders that you know, it's the ability to create workplaces with less stress or with less ego induced drama. Everyone wants to work in a workplace like that. Do you want your company to have less drama and less stress? Yeah. Do you want your leaders to be able to put their ego aside and operate from that place within that comes from wisdom and compassion? So you're confident that they're making decisions in the appropriate way when you're not in the room? Yes. Okay. Well, these skills are way more important than some of the training programs (laughs) that some companies are doing right now because technology changes so fast today. A lot of times you can't keep up and it's so important to be able to trust the person in the room. And if they're operating with this skill set, you're a lot more confident with what they're going to do when you're not there. And, And also it's like what you were talking about, the higher purpose and all of those things, it's the ability to put your ego aside or recognize when your ego is triggered. It's almost like a multiple personality thing, but split between your ego and your higher self. Okay. This is my ego being triggered. Yes. I'm getting defensive because I feel attacked or I feel like this person isn't, didn't speak to me in a respectful way or maybe whatever the case may be okay, what does higher self Amy want to do about this? And the movie of Amy's life, when I look back, how would I want her to behave? And you can even have a conversation in your mind between your higher self and your ego. Say, okay, nobody's trying to kill you. You're safe. It's fine. Why don't you reach out and try to establish a connection, see things from the other person's point of view, Maybe they had a bad morning, reframe the story. 
and then establish a connection. I heard Dr. Carroll talk about it and it's part of the executive coaching training is, you know, you stay curious, you ask meaningful questions, you approach situations without blame or judgment. I'm curious what, what made you, you know, speak to me in that way? Mm -hmm. What's going on? Those are all great ways to establish connection and build a bridge. That's amazing. You know, and it's a muscle, it's a skill, the ability to to be connected to our own experience and at the same time to reflect from the outside, from a third person perspective. I think it's a skill that we need to nourish. It's not a automatic behavior, right? Our automatic behavior is to act upon our emotion, our stress, our situation, and without pausing. And it's a crucial, crucial skill. Another thing, we don't like to be in the uncertain area, not to know the answer. And usually, so we fix in our mind what's happened here and then we can move on. And being in uncertainty, I think it arises within us a lot of uncomfortable feelings like embarrassment, confusion, uh, stress. And I think we don't know what to do with this feeling. So mm-hmm. we close them. What do you think about it? Deepak Chopra talks in his book, The Seven Spiritual Laws of Success. He talks about the law of least effort and the law of detachment. Mm-hmm. And I always try to go back to that because we all experience what you're talking about. Those feelings of wanting to know what's going to happen next, what's going on. I need to feel safe. I don't know. You know, (laughs) I don't know. I need to know. Uh And one of the laws of least effort in in the seven spiritual laws of success is that we don't try to force outcomes onto situations and then create more problems. (laughs) <laughs> and then I, I keep going back to Dr. Carol, cause I heard the episode and it was so in line with what we're talking about, but I heard her talking about show up and choose to be present. And Dr. Angelis Arian, who's an anthropologist that studied different societies and cultures all over the world came up with these four universal communication principles. You can connect with anyone. If you live by these four universal communication principles. So the first one is show up and choose to be present. The next one is tell the truth without blame or judgment. The next one is pay attention to what has heart and meaning. And then the final one to answer your question from before about, oh my gosh, I need to know what happens next is be open to outcome, but not attached to outcome. Mm -hmm. So I'm open to outcome, but I'm not attached to the outcome. Who am I? to know what is right for me on this planet with 7 billion people making choices and ripple effects and movements every day. I know what I think I want to be happy, but I'm open to this or something better. I really connect to it. And I think it's crucial. I must say that it's really challenging. I think especially in the paradigm in the business world that we need to deliver results and we need to be proactive and manage project. So we need the results. We need need to visualize it and have it done. And this is what usually we don't do. We don't allow space for the result to emerge in the accurate way. So I think the space in the paradoxical way, the space enables the, the magic to occur because then the right things emerge beyond each and every one of us. Sometimes we don't know it in advance. We can't know it. Yeah, absolutely. There's a lot of talk about empty spaces and what you can fill them with. 
a couple of weeks ago, I went through this exercise where I was living my life trying to fill my calendar up and I was not feeling good about that. And so I switched myself to eliminating things from my calendar so I could open up space for and to see what new things might emerge from that mm-hmm. and from that vacuum, right? The universe loves a vacuum, as I've heard people say before. Uh-huh. So it's the same thing in business. And that's what spiritual intelligence and uh, Dana Zohar, she's a philosopher and a physicist. She wrote a book called The Quantum Leader. And she writes a lot of books on spiritual intelligence too. She was a spiritual leader, no, Dana? Yeah, she she has a lot of books on, on SQ, but her latest book is called The Quantum Leader and it's amazing. And she talks a lot about how innovation and inspiration comes from mistakes in the workplace. If you can take a step back and see that and maybe living on the edge of a little bit of chaos, not controlling everything. And that these organizations that operate in this way are the ones that are on the cutting edge of their competition. So it's a really cool thing to uncover and understand. Yes, leaders need to be present and to hold tensions. And the main tension is that you're talking now about is between chaos and order, right? We need to enable a little bit chaos. Otherwise, nothing new will emerge. We'll do the same thing. And, you know, especially nowadays in the COVID pandemic in the midst of the transformation, we need to allow new things to emerge. Otherwise, we won't be relevant. So it's a crucial skill nowadays to be able to create the spaces, to create uncertainty, to create chaos. The chaos is already here, but maybe to embrace it a little bit and give it place and not be stressed from it and said, okay, it's okay. And that part of me don't know all the answers. Part of our team knows what to do, but part of our team doesn't know, and that's okay. So I think it's... It's really changing the mindset in the business world because we really learned that we need to have the re- right resource, the time to promote things, but we didn't learn as leaders and managers. And I think also as individuals to pause, to stop, to be present with what emerged. How do you work with leaders in this aspect that you feel that they are stressed? Yeah, absolutely. There, There's a couple of things that we're kind of like tapping into in this conversation right now. And the thought that I had was polarity be, and the complexity of thought and perspective taking, which is an SQ skill. So the ability to hold opposing thoughts or opposing things in the same space at the same time and be okay with that. Mm-hmm. So you talked about order and chaos. You can actually have both in the same space at the same time, managing polarities, managing opposites in the same space. It's a really cool concept to dig into. And one of the easy beginner ways to do it, and I'm still like really diving into this myself, is you replace the word in your conversations, you replace the word, but with, and. So I use some really simple examples just to drill it down. Like in relationships, I love you and this relationship is toxic Mm -hmm. or at work. Maybe you have a really, really high performing employee, but I'll use this right now, but they're toxic to the team or they have a bad attitude or, you know, hey, you are really achieving your goals, exceeding them. You're our top salesperson and your attitude is affecting the entire team's morale. 
what do you think of that? What do you propose we do about this? What are your thoughts on that? You know, however way you want to approach it. But I love the and part because it's holding both of those in the in the same space. And it sounds simple, but it's hard to do if you try it throughout the day. It's yeah. a hard, uh, it's a hard exercise to do. And I've been, I've been working on it, but it's a cool thing to, to practice. Yes. It resonated within me today. I uh, facilitated a session in one of the corporate world. And this is what we were talking about. I told them, look, it's okay to feel within ourselves various kinds of emotion. I can feel also very excited and I can feel also stressful at the same time. That's okay. We have various emotions at the same moment and we usually put in attention only on one of them. And I think the practice is to allow to all this emotion be present and maybe we want to connect to one of them and put them in front. As I talked with Dr. Karolab and I like this practice also. But I think this is also a crucial aspect, beginning with ourselves because we don't allow ourselves to feel different kinds of emotion. We need to close it and be, to be in control, right? And to know where we're heading. But usually we feel a mixed emotions. And I think this is also a good practice to start talking the, the various kinds of emotion, even to start a meeting or conversation and ask each and every one, give me three or four emotions that you are feeling right now. And then we can help them talk this new language and connect to them chaos within them. <laughs> what do you say? Yeah, I love that. I have an exercise that I've done called the word destroying <laughs> exercise. And mm-hmm. it's, you know, yeah, give, give me three or four ways that you're feeling right now, especially during COVID virtually, this is a great way to lead a zoom meeting or something like that. I, did it with some medical professionals and what are just, you know, put in the chat three or four words that you're feeling right now. And a lot of it was stress or anxiety, but happy or safe, different things. Okay. Pick one of those words that you're not a fan of that feeling and let's reshape it. So I had a client, for example, that was feeling anxiety about leaving her job and starting a new job. And so what does the opposite of anxiety feel like to you? I'm not going to, you know, tell her what that would be. And Mm -hmm. she said, serenity, great, put serenity. So we mind mapped it, you know, put serenity in the middle. And what can you do to bring more serenity into your life? And you're writing your own prescription there. So, Mm -hmm. you know, she came up with, she's a yogi. So yoga, journaling, maybe I'm going to drink tea, whatever she came up with in her mind map and then, okay, so go commit to doing maybe one of those things this week, no pressure. And you just destroyed anxiety and brought some serenity into your life. And you wrote your own prescription for it. Amazing. And you allowed her to bring her own perspective. You gave her space to explore and reflect upon what she really needs. And as you said at the beginning, each and every one of us has a wisdom, right? And we know the answers inside of us, but we need to clear our mind and to pour our attention inside. And we're really putting a lot of our attention outside what people think about us, what I need to do, how can I please them? Instead of thinking just a moment, what do I need right now? How can I approach this challenge? Oh, it's so important. We've all, I fell into that trap this year with everything that has gone on from the pandemic you know, some changes in my personal life, you know, starting to run to experts or other people to tell me what to do. And 
I got to a point where I was giving up my responsibility to make my own decisions for myself. I was giving that away. We are all responsible to make decisions for ourselves, good or bad. And we have to have faith that we won't shatter on the other side of what we decide. And that was a big lesson. And I also felt in addition that we were all inundated with advice on how to handle this, that, and the other of what everyone was going through and being a coach, knowing that everyone has the answers from within and you just have to sit with it for a little bit. I knew that deep down inside and I just had to come back to that and it took me a while. So, oh, thank you for your story. Yeah. It's really touching because each and every one of us experiences, right? That we lose ourselves listening to others and then we found ourselves okay what's happening here and bringing ourselves back so being mindful I think this is the journey you know to to listen to ourselves sometimes we go away and come back and go away and I think the ability to go back come back and to pause and direct ourselves and accurate our way this is our journey right because otherwise we'll be boring <laughs> and think about it with leaders in crisis or or leaders leading during crisis the knee-jerk reaction, if you will, to run to somebody, to a consultant or whoever, what do we do? We're in crisis. Let me give myself a moment here to settle in and really tap into what is going to work instead of running around getting advice from everybody. Mm -hmm. I know my organization. I know my people, what feels right to me. And I might not have the answer today, but it might come to me within 24 hours. So let's not, let's take a breath, let's take a moment and let's see how this thing plays out, whatever it is. You know, it's resonated within me that once I said with a client and then for one and a half hours, listening to his dilemmas and challenges. And I'm telling you, I think that during the meeting, I said maybe two sentences, that's all. And it was, you know, it was a lesson for me because at the end of the meeting, he told me, wow, it was an amazing meeting. So much insight. You're amazing. And I said to myself, wow, sometimes only being and listening and enabling the space to, to listen to himself, it's much more impactful than talking. So it was really a, a great lesson for me saying, okay, the being mode, it's really important. Oh my gosh compassionate listening, holding space. Those aren't just woo-woo, you know, I've heard some executives, we don't do that woo-woo kumbaya stuff. <laughs> it's not that. It takes practice. It takes work because if you are exercising compassionate listening and holding space for someone, you're also practicing the need within yourself to fix or control the situation. And you're just letting, you're just being, literally being there for someone. And that's it. And sometimes that's all someone needs wow. is just someone to hold space for you. That's amazing. Because yeah. I really think that a main challenge is that I see it to listen and not to give advice and correct the situation and control it, right? We, we learn to control. And this is, I think, a crucial skill that we need to embrace now. They nourish it to be able only to listen and let go and not try to control and change the situation. No, just be there. And sometimes, you know, when we are with this 
challenging emotions or situation, it transformed by itself, right? We don't need to do anything. That's what the paradox talked about, mm-hmm. attention and uh, paradox. And this is the paradox. This is the magic for me. The magic emerged from the space that created. So, wow. It's, uh, Absolutely. I, I have two things on that. You just, I have a client that was diving into the skill of making wise and compassionate decisions. They were a very high up HR leader in their company and they were feeling burnt out because they were the person that everyone called to vent to on the phone. Mm-hmm. And so we, we talked about boundary setting and what that looked like for them, but also the compassionate listening piece. Maybe if you're a leader in the workplace that tends to be the empathetic one that takes on all of that, you can set a timer for your holding space and your compassionate listening. And then you can envision a golden bowl kind of in front of you. Mm-hmm. So you're not taking on that person's stuff, just envision their words going into the bowl. And then when they're done speaking, you just hand the bowl back to them with compassion, like in your mind, obviously, (laughs) like, okay, this isn't mine. This this is yours. Yeah. I held space for you. And I liked it. That's amazing. Because there's a lot of people who are really empathic and they're like a sponge, right? They take yep. all the feelings inside of them and then they'll get burned out because you can't take the Absolutely. energy everybody. So it's a great, great technique to imagine a ball and then throw it away. Yeah, this doesn't belong to me, but I held it. I held the space. Thich Nhat Hanh is a Vietnamese Buddhist monk that talks about compassionate listening. And he has a beautiful speaking piece on YouTube about it. But he talks about even if someone is saying the most horrendous, hateful things that you just don't agree with whatsoever. If you can just sit and maybe use my golden bowl technique, and maybe that takes a burden off their heart. And then you can just, that's some high SQ uh, level stuff that I don't know if I'm all the way there yet, but <laughs> I thought I'd bring it up. <laughs> no, that's great. I think you really brought practical tools to our listeners to understand what to do. You know, you grounded the spirituality and Show us how we can use these tools in the day-to-day and how it can increase happiness, engagement, connection between people. That's amazing. I can speak to you for hours. It was really, really <laughs> interesting for me. Amy, before we wrap up, is there any question that I didn't ask you that you want me to ask? No, I did want to bring up, though, because we were talking about COVID or, you know, how even without the pandemic, how we seem to be as leaders I don't, in the space I'm in anyway, inundated with advice or how, these three steps to do this or, and I wanted to share, I got fed up with that a little bit. And so I created a journal prompt card deck. So I wanted to pull a card for your audience. I like to do it, you know, and it just, they just have questions. So anybody listening this message is meant for you. I created a deck of 33 cards for the workplace and they have an affirmation and two questions. And so I like to do this because it's just no matter when you're listening, this message is for you if you need a message. So we'll see this for us and your audience. Great. (laughs) I love it. Okay. So we got power for today. And the affirmation is I make wise decisions. This is just in line with our conversation. I make wise decisions, keeping the big picture in mind. Great. We were just, so this is the magic, you, right? right? Yeah, this is so cool. Uh, questions for everyone to think about. What areas have I been avoiding through indecision? We talked about that, giving away your responsibility. Know that 
not making a decision is a decision. So what areas have I been avoiding through indecision and what can I clear from my life to help me move forward to a better future? We were just talking about the vacuum. So out of a deck of 33 cards, this is what came up and it just, it's that energy that just resonates with our conversation. I got the chills. (laughs) Me too. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, it is. It is. Amy, that's great. And Keep up your great work. The world needs it. If our listeners want to track you and get more information and buy this amazing cards, where can they reach you? Everything is on createmagicatwork.net. So if you want to be a magic maker, go to createmagicatwork.net. And then I love connecting on LinkedIn under Amy Lynn Durham. And I try to do a weekly workplace message for everyone too, where I'll pull a card and share some a message for you for the week. So That's great. I want to ask yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Amy, thank you very much for being with us and sharing your wisdom, your magic, and your experience. I really enjoyed our conversation. I did too. This was definitely a magical time. It was awesome. Thank you. This was Amy Lynn Durham. Hope you enjoyed our conversation. You're invited to subscribe to our podcast in order to know when we upload a new episode and to follow us on social media. Thank you for listening. Until next time, take care and bye-bye.